America's auto enthusiast program. This is Auto World. And now, here's your host, Bob Long. I want to say welcome. Thank you very much for joining us here for another hour of Auto World. And this hour of the broadcast, it's time for our weekly update on all things oil and in particular we're going to focus on uh, lots of questions that have been coming in uh, via Dan Watson's The Loop Page website as well as uh, ones that come to me at bob at autoworldradio.com but uh, we would sure like to hear from you we've got Mackenzie running the board and he's going to Take good care of you if you dial in to 855-660-4261, 855-660-4261. And again, you can email us throughout the program, bob at autoworldradio.com or dan watson at com. Dan Watson has more than 25 years worth of lubrication experience. He is a specialist and one of the largest AMSOIL dealers in the whole United States and Canada, all of North America. And uh, he's just a wealth of knowledge, and we so enjoy having him here on the show. Dan, welcome, and uh, how are you doing? Well, it's good to be on the show tonight, Bob. Everything's going well. Are you doing well yourself? Doing okay, yeah. I'm definitely uh, kind of fighting a little bit of a, a, a cold, but uh, I'll take that over lots of other things that I've had to deal with in recent times. <laughs> but uh, let's uh, talk about some of the questions. Let's get right to it. We get a question from uh, Dan. Uh, uh, Dan uses a uh, Amsoil Signature Series. 5W20 on a 2017 Kia Sportage, which has the 2.4 liter GDI engine. That is the recommended oil. But the manual states that I can use 5W30 in the same temperature range. Would it be better to go with the 5W30 because of the fuel in the oil dilution? I have 15,000 miles on the car right now. What are your thoughts about Dan's situation? Well, my view is is that if I had one of these, uh, that GDI is for gasoline direct-injected engine, if I had one of these engines, I would go to the 530, and I wouldn't, uh, personally, I wouldn't run the 520. And, and the reason is is that uh, so far all the reports I see, there is fuel contamination. It's a direct-injected engine, meaning that the, Injector sits in the cylinder. It's not in the manifold or throttle body like we're used to with multi-port fuel injection and so forth. But this direct injected, uh, just surprise, surprise, those injectors sometimes will leak a little bit. And when they do, you get a little bit of gasoline that gets past the rings and works down into the crankcase, and you get a little bit of fuel dilution in your engine oil. Now. A couple things can happen from that. It's not a good idea to run around with fuel dilution, but we've done this for years with diesels, and the standard in the past has always been uh, no more than 5% fuel dilution, or you would have to drain the oil. But I don't think we approach those levels in these GDI engines, probably anywhere from 1% to 3%, somewhere in there. But that being the case, 
you still thin that oil just a little bit. And if you start with a 5W20, depending upon who makes the 5W20, uh, you could uh, be thinning down quite a bit, and it's already fairly thin for that engine. So if you have a 5W30, which in all honesty, the only thing the 5W30 would not be used from day one is that you might get uh, a quarter to a half a mile per gallon better fuel economy running the 520 than you would be running the 530. But for me, that's a that's a small price to pay to be sure that my fuel dilution is not going to create a situation where my oil is getting a bit too thin for my comfort. And also in these engines, I would be sure and run a high-grade synthetic engine oil, and that's because uh, fuel dilution can cause some other uh, unfortunate things to happen in oil. You can get a greater, <coughs> excuse me, a greater rate of shearing of what they call viscosity improvers that are in the oil to give it that range. You know, the 5W30. That's a range of thickness that it, it goes through, and it uses these additives called viscosity improvers. They are basically polymers, and to give an idea, for example, a human hair is a 40 micron in width. Well, these polymers are smaller than that, but they are long and straight uh, when they're cold, and they coil up when they get hot. And so what that means is they let the oil flow freely when it's cold, giving it that 5W rating. But when it heats up to its uh, 200, above 212 degrees, which is where they measure the operational viscosity, those little guys have coiled up and they become thicker, making the oil thicker. So you end up with the ability to have what we call a multi-grade oil. Gasoline, in this particular case, will have a tendency to cause those polymers to be more susceptible to being broken into pieces, meaning that they can't adequately coil up. And if they don't adequately coil up, you have a hard time reaching rated viscosity at full temperature. So fuel dilution is not something that we want a lot of. We know some of the effects that it has. So if I start with a 30-weight oil, uh, I'm probably going to be able to maintain it through the drain interval. And a high-quality synthetic engine oil like the ones that Amazon makes, in many cases, will pass a 5W30 rating without the need to put in viscosity improvers. Now, they put in some viscosity improvers to get what we call extreme range of operation, but you could get a 5W30 oil out of a simple straight um, synthetic base stock. So the less you have to use the viscosity improvers, if you've got fuel dilution, the better off you are. So you want to buy a high-grade synthetic engine oil, and I would use a 5W30. That's a great answer for Dan. And, again, don't be a stranger. We would love to hear from you. We are live across North America and around the world at GCNlive.com. A lot of shows on the weekend are taped uh, during the week, and you can't call in and ask an expert like Dan Watson on certified lubrication. 
expert with more than 25 years worth of experience. Uh, so here's a golden opportunity for, for you folks, 855-660-4261. Any lubrication questions of any kind, we'd be open to uh, helping you out with. Got another question here, and this one is about Toyota. According to Toyota, they say to change the oil every 10,000 miles or one year, writes Barbara. Do I use synthetic? That's your question. Well, here's the answer to that. Yes. (laughs) But the reason I say yes is twofold. One is that Toyota requires it. These Toyotas are coming now with, they're loaded with uh, synthetic from bumper to bumper. And to maintain their warranty, you have to continue using synthetic bumper to bumper. That is the requirement from Toyota. The entire line of cars, okay? So that is about as solid a statement as you can get uh, from a major company. So we'll finish it up after the break, Bob. That sounds like a great idea. 855-660-4261. We may throw out a trivia question on the other side. This is Auto World. I'm Bob Long. Don't go away. Giving your radio a broadcasted tune-up. This is Auto World and your host, Bob Long. We are live all across North America. Coast to coast, border to border, around the world, GCNlive.com. And uh, we've got the expert with us, our oil expert, uh, the gentleman who is a certified lubrication specialist with more than 25 years of experience. And he's also one of the largest AMSOIL dealers in the entire North American continent. Before we finish up with Toyota, I just want to throw out a a quick uh, trivia question here just to see if, uh, if anybody can come up with the answer to this one. It was a, uh, a sport utility, kind of a crossover sport utility sold within the last couple of decades. Uh, the brand is no longer around, but the vehicle was called the View, and it was spelled V-U-E, the blank View. And again, this is a company that has no is no longer producing vehicles. I'll give you more of a hint if we uh, don't get the answer right off the bat, but give us a call at 855-660-4261 or uh, email me up at bob at autoworldradio.com. Let's go back to uh, Barbara's question about Toyota. And, Dan, you were saying that Toyota is running all synthetic from from bumper to bumper, so all of the fluids in the vehicles are synthetic? Yes, transmission gear loop, engine oil, everything. The uh, They decided this. Toyota had a, a situation back in the late 90s, uh, early, right around 2000, a little before that, maybe just a little after, where they had some trouble with some sludging in some of their cars, and uh, it was a design flaw, but they worked their way through it. They, a lot of... Uh, Engines were paid for, different kind of things happened, and, and one of the results of that, I think Toyota knew then that they were eventually going to go to all synthetic engine oil, which would help, you know, uh, prevent these kind of sludging problems, even when you had some areas in the engine that got hotter than you wanted it to get. 
But all these companies, including Toyota at that time, were concerned that if they required synthetic engine oil, it would be a turnoff to people because it wasn't so readily available everywhere. People weren't sure where they could get it. Uh, it cost too much money, you know, all these kind of things. But eventually Toyota decided that you just couldn't protect their high-quality engines and transmissions and, and gear drives and stuff. They just decided it, it you couldn't do it with the old-style petroleum lubricants. They went to synthetic lubricants and made it part of their warranty requirements, and it's worked out very well because I think a lot of innovative engine designs and things that have changed with Toyota that they could rest a little easier that they weren't going to run into a problem with oil getting overtaxed and not being able to keep up with the uh, high performance or the very few miserly high performance engines and things that they build. Now we've had General Motors products uh, for gosh many many years they were putting a uh, Mobile One from the factory in Corvettes uh, and that same engine, you know Corvettes better than I do, but I think it was called an LT1 or something. The, exactly. And that engine, when it was put over into one of the other models, like a, a Camaro or something, that also required synthetic. So it's a matter of what you're producing and how well you think you can protect it. Now, GM has, uh, since then, they have their own specification called Dexos. And Dexos specification, because GM was so dissatisfied with the standard quality of engine oil that was API rated in North America. They just said they have to have their own spec and, and raise the standard. And that all came about because General Motors was one of the early companies to put the uh, the reminder light that would come on the dash to tell you that it was time to change your oil. And they actually discovered two things. One is they let the oil stumps get too small in their cars. They were down to four quarts and even some of them down to three and a half. And they realized that that was a mistake. So you'll see a lot of GM products now with seven or eight quarts, which is the correct way to go. Uh, Mercedes-Benz has been doing that forever. You want that larger volume of oil. So they've done that, and then they decided, hey, this oil's got to be, it's got to meet a, a better quality than what they're getting off the shelf in the regular market. So they put their Dexos 1, and they now have Dexos 2 ratings. And all those ratings really require is that you have a properly additized oil, that it's got sufficient high-quality additives in it to actually do its job correctly. The People have to recognize that the API standard of SN, that's a minimum standard. It means that that's the minimum you can have in oil to sell it on the market. Not saying that that's what a lot of companies think would be the adequate amount because now, you know, Ford's got their own uh, set of specs. It used to be you could just put anything in. Now they've got specs. Uh, Caterpillar's had them for years. Uh, Cummins has now uh, developed specs for their Cummins turbo diesels that are above the standard for the standard oil. So it's just not un <clears throat> uncommon because Quality is not what it should be across the board, and these companies are trying to protect themselves. So Toyota went to the all synthetic earlier than the other guys because they just finally decided they weren't going to trust this uh, low-grade oil they were finding in North America. So they weren't sure. having the problems with their engines in Japan because they were requiring more in Japan for standards of oils than what they were getting in the North American market.
So she should uh, run that oil for 10,000 miles for one year and use a good grade synthetic because that's what Toyota is going to tell her to do. And there aren't any petroleum oils on the market that would be rated for 10,000 miles, especially in North America, just none. Don't even try it. It would be uh, trouble down the way. So I hope that answers Barbara's question good enough. Absolutely. A great question. Our telephone number is 855-660-4261 on the trivia question. Uh, who made the view? We have got this, some answers here. Plymouth? No, that's not correct. Um, Oldsmobile? No, that's not correct. But you're in the right family with, with both of those uh, stabs because... Uh, it was a, uh, a formerly sold brand owned by General Motors. I'll give you that. And whoever comes up with the answer to the question is going to get a cool prize courtesy of the Busted Knuckle Garage. 855-660-4261. We're taking all your oil and lubrication questions and also t- reading emails. Uh, and we've got an email here from Terry in uh, Salem, New Hampshire, I believe. If uh, petroleum oil is highly refined and has the correct additives why can't you extend the oil change to as long as the synthetic oil you know as simple as that question is it doesn't get asked that often and it should get asked more and more because it's a good question the thing is is that well, it's such a good question. I guess we should wait to answer it after the break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that went fast. Boy, yeah. when we come back on the other side, we've got an interesting question and an inter- interesting answer awaiting you. This is Auto World. I'm Bob Long. Don't go away. Hi, this is Jay Leno, and you're listening to Auto World with Bob Long. Just came email. It's Peter listening in uh, Texas on KEYS, and uh, it is the Saturn brand that gave us the view. And uh, lots of folks were upset when the Saturn brand went away, but uh, that's how it goes in today's rather funky business world. Telephone wise, you can get a hold of us at 855-660-4261. We got a really interesting question here from Terry in Salem, New Hampshire, and he writes, if petroleum oil is highly refined and has the correct additives, why can't you extend the oil change as long as the synthetic oil change interval? It's a good question, and like you said, one that should be... Well, people should have uh, the curiosity to ask that question because, you know, I, as well as many other people, especially when it comes to Amsoil synthetic products, we are all the time talking about the long drain intervals, the extended drain intervals, 25,000 miles or one year. And if we make that statement, then we should be able to answer the question of why can't you do that with a, you know, well-made petroleum engine oil, okay? And... I'm going to keep this as much out of the weeds as I can, folks. It's hard for me because <laughs> there's so much chemistry and technical information that I could go into on this, but it wouldn't do any good. So let me try to explain this 
clearly in terms that everybody can understand. Uh, when you make these oils, the refining process where they take that gobbledygook out of the ground and they refine all the junk out of it and they turn that uh, petroleum crude oil into some really nice products, everything from uh, pharmaceuticals, plastics, uh, all the way to asphalt, engine oil, uh, gasoline, gear lubes. There's a lot of stuff they do with this stuff. It's fantastic what they do. Now, as I'm separating this, this oil, which has all kinds of junk and stuff in it, and I'm, I'm cracking it, is what they say over at the refinery. I'm cracking this into its different size uh, molecules, and then I'm going to put all this stuff together and make all these different products. Well, one of the things that you have to keep in mind is this is what's called a hydrocarbon product. What we're trying to use in the crude oil are uh, combinations of hydrogen and carbon into different molecular forms and all kinds of different stuff that the chemists could just spend hours talking about because there's all kinds of different combinations, okay? One of the things that we run into when we get a finished product like petroleum lubricating oil is that those hydrocarbons, when they're put together, have a lot of what we call uh, polar sites. Now, let me just take a second and explain that. Everybody's familiar with a magnet having a north and a south end, okay? Well, in the world of polarity, one of those is positive and one of those is negative, okay? So... Inside this molecular structure, this hydrocarbon stuff that makes that beautiful amber-looking fluid, there are areas that have a polarity. And the polarity that turns out in this stuff is always what we call a positive polarity hanging on the end of a hydrocarbon chain. Okay? Just imagine for a second that you've got a nice chain of magnets put together, little bar magnets. You've stuck them all together, and you're, it's hanging in the air, okay? And you left on the end of it, there's obviously on the end of that last magnet now, there's some kind of attraction. And along comes this other magnet that you swing by it, and it's immediately attracted to it, and it jumps on the end of that, that chain of, of uh, uh, magnets. Okay, that's what we call a polar site that is available to react with something. And the thing we have in the air that is highly reactive is called oxygen. Oxygen has a big negative 2 assigned to it, and there's a lot of spots in that beautiful hydrocarbon stuff that we made that have negative, uh, I mean, sorry, positive uh, polarity. So here comes these oxygen things, and boom, boom, boom. They're coming in there and combining with that those hydrocarbons, and what we call that in the world is oxidation. It means that the oxygen is invading our product, and it will cause it to change. Oxidized oil has another name. We call it sludge or varnish. It can create either type. So we have a problem. We've got this oxygen that's constantly trying to oxidize our product. So what the chemists do, the wonderful guys they are, they put this other product in there so that 
it doesn't hurt our hydrocarbons, yet it's got a nice little polarity to it, and it'll fill all of those sites so the oxygen can come by and has nothing to react with, okay? Those are called antioxidants. Now, in the petroleum world, you have got to just absolutely load this product up with antioxidants because that's what's going to begin to run out the fastest, and the higher the temperature the oil operates at, the more it uses up its antioxidant additive, meaning that it's just using it up fast at this high temperature because all those hydrocarbons, due to that heat, they're breaking apart and exposing these positive polarity sites and in runs the little product from the antioxidant and fills that hole. But pretty soon you're running out of little soldiers, little antioxidant soldiers to run in and fill the hole. And if they can't fill the hole, oxygen does. Mm -hmm. So over time, petroleum oil begins to break down and oxidize because it's running out of the antioxidant chemicals that were added by the chemist, okay? You can't add enough of them to go the length of time we're talking about compared to synthetic. Now, here's the key to a proper synthetic. Proper synthetics are depolarized. They have no polarity, period. So they won't react with oxygen. They are inert. The AMSOIL 25,000-mile oils, the base stock is inert. It does not react with oxygen. It has no polarity. So I don't have to add tons of antioxidants to protect my base stock. It doesn't react with oxygen. So I have solved one of my problems of running the oil for a longer period of time. Now, there are others involved in that, and they take, again, a lot of in the weeds explaining, but just that very one to tell you right off the bat, there isn't a petroleum oil made that could run more than maybe the best ones made could probably make it close to 10,000 before they would be, their antioxidant additives would probably be depleted, depending upon how severe the engine is run and what the temperatures are and so forth, okay? So that is the first problem we run into, is that these petroleum oils have high natural polarities, and they'll react with oxygen, and I have to protect them with an additive chemical. And if that chemical runs out, they start reacting with oxygen, and they start to build up sludge and look terrible. Mm -hmm. The other thing is is that I have to protect these oils against the byproducts of combustion. That little process of running that gasoline in there produces some strange, crazy chemicals, and a lot of them are acidic. They will just knock the tar out of that oil unless I've got sufficient uh, alkaline additives for it to go the distance. Well, it turns out that oxygen and moisture are kind of like a catalyst that will cause oil to oxidize and if it's got any polarity. So, again, the... The acids that are made, combining with the oxygen that's in the air and the byproducts of the combustion, they will eat up these additives fast in a uh, petroleum-based oil. So we do well to run good, high-quality petroleum oils for 5,000 miles. Good 5,000 miles, that's been a very good performance by a, a quality petroleum oil to go 5,000 miles to do its job and hold up. So. If we're getting that kind of where that oil's earned its place by going 5,000 miles. Now, certain types of high-quality synthetics, like Mobile's annual change oil and Amsoil's signature series oils, 
are made from things that we call polyalpha olefins and esters. Sure, hold that thought. Yes, sir. Giving your radio a broadcasted tune-up. This is Auto World and your host, Bob Long. Have you heard the Now's story of the hot rod ladies one of the largest AMS oil distributors in North America, 25-plus year lubrication specialist, former U.S. Navy nuclear propulsion specialist, and uh, just uh, an encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to oil. 855-660-4261 and all things lubrication, all the different fluids, and it doesn't matter if it's a, a, a snowmobile or if it's an outboard motor, we can help you out with anything. 855-660-4261. Here's an interesting question from Wayne. I heard about you from the car guy on a radio station. Hopefully that was me, and it sounded like you could probably answer the question I have. I have always used a 5W30 synthetic type oil in my Toyota RAV4. It states that it's good for six months or 6,000 miles. I probably only drive it around 3,000 miles a year. Would it be okay to just start changing the oil and filter once a year of every six months, or should I go by the miles driven? How long would the oil and filter be good for? I was told by a guy that changes the oil that the oil maker has such info on the bottles where they could sell more oil just wondering what the real deal is with a million question marks yeah thanks wayne good question here's the thing Uh, again a good fundamental question because um, i am always asked this question is it works like this well, Dan, this Amsoil, it's good for 25,000 miles, but I don't drive but about uh, 10,000 miles in a year, so can I run this two years? And my answer is always, no, you cannot. Okay, we stick with the one-year recommendation. They go, well, hi, that doesn't make sense. I don't understand. And here's the reason, and uh, I'll try to keep this one simple, too. Um, there's so much additive in these oils, Okay. And they're expected to have a certain amount of stuff that they would have to do. For example, we talked about before in a previous question that there are acids that are manufactured by the uh, byproducts of the propul- I mean the um, combustion process. Okay, and so I got to have additives that will neutralize that acid. You ever get your oil to an acidic level, it'll just take the surface off the bearings, and you'll be in big trouble in a hurry. So here's the thing. When we look at what makes acid, one of the things that really contributes to acid manufacturing with the byproducts of combustion is moisture. And so if I get any amount of moisture in my oil, I'm going to work pretty hard on knocking down my alkaline additives and my antioxidant additives, different things that I have. So what happens is is that we have to understand that an engine, an automobile engine, 
has a breather on it, has that air filter, right? So what happens is, is that if you say it's it's uh, 60, 70 degrees at night, and it's 80 or 90 degrees during the day, especially if you live in a fairly humid climate somewhere. What happens is, is that as the engine warms up, to, as the room temperature goes up, it warms up. And as it does, the air inside the engine warms up, so it expands and air actually is pushed out of the engine as the air inside the engine expands as it warms up. But later, it cools down, and as it cools down, the air inside the engine shrinks and it brings air in from the outside. So the engine literally breathes over the course of the day by expelling air when it's hot and bringing in new air as it cools down. Now, in that air, the humidity that's there, when you reach the dew point outside and you find dew on the grass or dew on the windshield of the car or wherever you find the dew settling, there's condensation inside the engine because that same air outside came down inside the engine and when that engine block cools to the dew point, it forms dew on that, those metal surfaces, and that little bit of water runs down into the oil pump, the crankcase. So I got mm. some water in the oil now. Now you start the car up in the morning and drive it wherever you're going to work, and hopefully you get the car up above 140 degrees for at least 10 or 15 minutes so that it can heat the oil up enough that it sort of vaporizes the water out of the oil and sort of purges itself of that moisture. That's good. But that moisture's already been there, and it's already gone through the the combination with the oxygen and the byproducts of combustion and formed a little bit of acid and tried to do some oxidation, but hey, the additive package protected you, and you boiled or vaporized the water out of the oil, and you're feeling good. But this happens every day. It's called a cycle every time you go from room temperature to full high temperature of the engine, back down to room temperature and back up. We're doing a cycle up and down, up and down, up and down. It turns out that you'll do about the same amount of cycles if you're a 10,000 mile driver as you'll do if you're a 20,000 mile driver. Mm -hmm. It seems to be that it depends upon how far you drive once you start up. So we always say that short trip driving is worse on oil than long driving because the short trip, you may not have ever gotten it up to really good temperature to boil all the moisture out. But if you get out on the highway and you let it rip and you're driving 30 miles to work on the highway, there's a real good chance you're really going to, as we say, cook that oil and get all the moisture out of it and it's done. Okay, But short drivers don't always do that. So they're much more inclined to have sludge and build up than a long driver. So my point is that these cycles are what matter, and that's what the, the time is based on. The additive package is there, it's strong enough, it should go fine for so many cycles. And you have to conservatively say that the number of cycles done in a year may be some multiple of 300. In other words, if you have 300 days that you drove, but you may have gone someplace, the engine cooled all the way down, you may have two cycles a day. So you might have 600 cycles in a, in a year or more, okay? And so that's what it's really based on. It's based on the ability of the additive package to protect the oil 
through a number of all these cycles. And so you can't run the oil beyond what the oil manufacturer says is the time they've additized the oil to protect itself against the harm of moisture intrusion through these cycles. So you have to protect the oil with the additives. You got to depend upon the company. The company says a lot of companies say six months. You know, run the oil um, three thousand, four thousand miles, or six months and change it. That's usually that that time frame is ignored. But I guarantee you, the year time frame should never be ignored. When the company says, "Hey, you can run it a lot of miles," but we're telling you keep it to a year because in a year you're going to do a lot of cycles. So does that make good sense, Bob? It sure does, and it's so true. So many people are short hop drivers, so to speak, and they don't realize that they don't get the uh, the engine to, to burn off. The oil doesn't burn off that water. That's a really good point. Jackson in Atlanta writes, he's got a 68 Chevy pickup with all the bells and whistles. It has a 327 cubic inch high-performance V8 engine. He's concerned that the modern API SN oil will not prov- provide the protection he needs. What do you recommend, Dan? Well, I'd agree with him uh, in general. Okay, he would be better off going to find what we call a, uh, a high zinc and phosphorus rated oil that was designed for when that vehicle was made. So that's probably got a flat tappet valve system. I mean, the uh, cam system. And those are important to have adequate zinc and phosphorus. Okay, now there's a lot of information on that uh, at my website, thelubepage.com, because we're going to run the time here in just a minute. But yes, if you've got one of those classic cars, do yourself a favor and find some oil that's rated to run in those cars. They just this, this new oil is designed all around, you know, nice overhead cam cam followers, roller cams, all this kind of stuff that they didn't have when that car was made. Exactly. Give out your telephone number and remind us of your email. It is 800-370-2986. You can always get me at Watson at thelubepage.com, and that is my website, thelubepage.com. That's the place to go, thelubepage.com, or email me, bob at autoworldradio.com. Thank you, Dan. 